0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Well, everybody wants to know what I think about the Jack Eichel deal. It came down yesterday and trying to just soak it all in. uh, The first thing we need to kind of figure out is, was that flame offer for real? Where the possibility of Matthew Kachuk going to Buffalo... Everybody's saying it's not. Kachuk denied it. Flames denied it. Sabres denied it. But let's just say for sake of argument that that was a real offer. You got to remember, Kachuk's got another year left on his contract, and that's it. What the Sabres were looking for was long-term relief on this Jack Eichel thing. Okay, And the one thing that they won more than anything else, they didn't retain any salary. That is huge for this team. And you get an Alex Tuck. Now, is Alex Tuck Matthew Kachuk? No, But he's signed through the 25-26 season at 4.75 per. That's a very cap-friendly contract for a long period of time. So is he Kachuk? No, but you get to be able to get a very good player on a manageable contract for the next foreseeable future. And that's just as long as Jack Eichel had left on his contract. Plus, you know, get Peyton Krebs is good. He was finally getting a chance to play a little bit with Vegas. Four games this year, a game last year, first-round pick in 2019, two conditional picks. you got to like what the Sabres were able to do here. As far as Vegas is concerned, they get a stud. They get a center, something they've desperately needed, and they should have him available for the playoffs should not Vegas make it to the postseason he's got four years left on his contract at 10 million per there's gonna be a lot of cap headaches that vegas is gonna have to go through here but they're not gonna have to deal with it right away because it looks like it's going to be at least four months before he's going to get a chance to play. So it's going to be a Kuchikroft situation where he should be available in time for the playoffs. So it's not a cap issue this year. It gives them time to kind of maneuver things around to be able to fit Eichel in for next year. So there's going to be a lot more changes, but they're certainly going for it. They expect Eichel to be ready for the playoffs. The Western Conference is wide open. It's a tough division because Calgary and Edmonton are playing great. San Jose's got off to a great start. But you got to figure when the dust settles, Vegas is going to be a contender. They have been every single year they've been in the league, and now they get a very dynamic player, hopefully get Pacioretty back. They could be a very dangerous team come playoffs. Plus, they get the conditional pick on top of Eichel. So, I like the deal for both teams. I really do. It could be a long-term headache for Vegas, especially if they do not cash in this year with Eichel joining them in the playoffs. But if this surgery works, it looks like it's going to be a godsend for Vegas. Now, there's other rumblings, too, as far as, you know, uh, now you're hearing that Buffalo might have been willing to let him have the surgery that he wanted to. It looked like the divorce was going to have to happen, and it has. And I think it's good for Eichel, it's good for Vegas, and it's good for the Buffalo Sabres. So we'll see how it goes moving forward, but... That's my feeling on the Eichel trade, and it's finally happened, and hopefully Eichel will be okay after this surgery and be able to perform because he is a heck of a player, and he's fun to watch, and now he's in a situation where he can really flex his muscle uh, in the postseason. All right, recapping um, the games from last night, Islanders get four goals from Brock Nelson. Congratulations to him. I told you I thought the Islanders were going to start to find it. Montreal's been playing better as of late. They just came off a shutout of the Detroit Red Wings, but the Red Wings are starting to come back down to earth here. That's a good win for uh, the um, New York Islanders, who I think are going to start to get things rolling. Also, good news for Boston as Patrice Bergeron gets his first three goals of the four goals of the season. Excuse me. So you had two two players with four goals last night as Boston beats Detroit by the final score. Of five to one, you gotta feel good for the Leafs in the sense that you know for the Leafs forever, they've been a team that's gonna just have to try to outscore everybody. And now they're starting to play better hockey. And when you go up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, you, you start to salivate, right? This is gonna be a six-five game. Everybody's gonna go off two-one win uh, in overtime for Toronto, kind of proving to you that, hey, maybe they can win some of these low-scoring games as Willie Nylander gets the game-winning goal for Toronto. So Vegas, um, they make the deal, and they go out there, and they get a big-time performance from Marcia Show and they beat the Ottawa Senators 5-1. to Only really note is is that, I guess earlier today or last night, it was confirmed that Brady Kachuk is going to be the new captain of the Ottawa Senators, and it's a great Great decision. What a tremendously fun game between the Panthers and the Capitals, two of the best teams of the NHL. Capitals throw 42 shots on goal, and they end up getting a point, but they lose this game by the final score of 5-4. to four. In a game that Florida had full control over as they're up 4-1 to one in this one late in the second period. But a big turning point was the Ovechkin goal is 10th. He's now one shy of fourth all-time tie with Brett Hull as he just had an amazing start to his season. But they get that goal Uh, Late in the second period from Ovechkin and then followed up with Tom Wilson just a little over a minute later with 17 seconds left to make it a one-goal game going to the third period. So they had all the momentum and then Ovechkin assists on the McMichael goal. His first ties it up at four. Uh, but then Florida ends up getting the victory in overtime as they just continue to just be amazing and yet to lose in regulation so far this year. Uh, Penguins playing still without Sidney Crosby, they get the overtime goal from Latang, beat Philadelphia. Uh, the Stars very quietly playing some very good hockey and and it's it's a team that you got to be a little leery of because remember not too long ago they went to the Stanley Cup final. You know, they had an off year last year, you know, but Dallas, you know, back to five hundred, still a minus seven goal differential, but I still think Dallas is a team that's gonna start getting some traction here. And that's a big win for them in Calgary against a really good Flames team. Kraken get their first ever hat trick. As they get Jordan Eberle, who scored his first goal late in the second period, gets the big goal early in the third, the break to 2-2 tie. The building was apoplectic, and then a little bit later on gets his fifth, his third of the game. So first-ever hat trick in the history of the Seattle Kraken as they beat the Buffalo Sabres 5-2. And you kind of feel for the Sabres, right, because the Sabres got off to that great start, and they've just been thrashed out west. Lose to the Kings, lose to the Ducks, lose to the Kraken. Sometimes these West Coast trips can expose you, and that's what's happened and the St. Louis Blues win over the Sharks final score there was 5 to 2 um Sod has been very good for the St. Louis Blues. He gets a couple of goals, and the Sharks lose at home by the final score of 5-3. to three. So speaking of the Sharks, speaking of the Flames, I think it's time for the first time in the 2021-22 season that we give you a top five of the week. And we're Don LaGreca's Friday Top Five. And let's start with those Flames at number five uh the flames again they lost last night in overtime but they they are really a well-rounded team markstrom is playing tremendous hockey for them so far this year and they've had to be good because that division with the Oilers in it and and you know Vegas is going to be good San Jose's off to a really good start you know, they've needed every single win they can get so they're 6-1-3 and on the season so they have lost a few games in overtime plus 12 goal differential that will lose at home in regulation but still 1-0-3 is the reason why I don't have them higher but a 5-1 road record is pretty good I've got the uh, Calgary Flames at number 5 number four. We're going to stay in Alberta and we're going to go with the Oilers. They could be a little bit higher for sure. They won eight of their first nine games plus 16 goal differential undefeated on the road five and one at home. They can just, I'm, I'm preparing to do the game tonight. Boy, they just got so much firepower. You know, you certainly know about Dreidel, uh Dreisaitl and McDavid, but you know, when you take a look at what Nugent Hopkins has done so far this year, they're getting tremendous um, production out of the blue line. You know, I think Duncan Keith has been very good for them nurse has got the long-term contract now you got to love the edmonton oilers and what they're doing so far this year is the goaltending sustainable that's going to be the question for this team for a while they're riding a three-game winning streak they're proving a lot of people wrong They're first place in the pacific division with a game in hand on calgary game in hand on san jose so i've got the edmonton oilers at number four Number three. You know, the Blues, they're an easy team to kind of take for granted, right? You know they're going to make the playoffs. Stanley Cup champion a couple of years ago, but they're winning in the Central Division at a 7-1-1 and mark, an impressive plus-15 goal differential. Also have not lost regulation on the road so far this year. Perron leading them in goals. That's big with six. Tarasenko's been great leading them in points with 11. The goaltending has been consistent all year long. The St. Louis Blues, a solid, solid team, and I've got them in the top three. Number two. So it's really between two teams, but you look at it, and this team, unfortunately for them, has blinked more than the other ones. So I'm going to go with the Florida Panthers at two. 9 0 1 to start the season, plus 19 goal differential. Second best in the league. A perfect 6 0 0 at home. They only blinked the one time in the shootout against Boston, so they have just been phenomenal. And Barkoff got the deal. And Barkoff is right now the player... That is in the top three in this league. I'll put him in the top three, and people do not talk about him enough because he's in Florida. But I remember doing a game years ago in Florida with Dave Maloney. Dave Maloney was telling me this Barkoff kid is going to be tremendous. And it maybe it took a little bit for people to notice, but now it's all coming together for him. And the Panthers are a solid a team in the league. They've obviously went through the adversity of losing their head coach, but you know what? They're just so well run, so good. It's been a while since we waited for this team. They finally are getting goaltending, which has been so inconsistent for that. Them. The Panthers are number two. Number one. Yeah! Really, you can't go wrong with the Carolina Hurricanes. And now, this is a team that has been steadily good for years, and you can't say you didn't see this coming. All right, maybe not a nine and zero start. But they're the best team in the league right now and deserve it, number one. Plus 22 goal differential is the best in the league. Three better than Florida. Uh, Have not blinked at all this season at 9-0-0. Four of those nine wins have come on the road. Just a tremendous team, and Svetznikov is somebody we've watched for a while. But he leads the team in goals with seven. He leads the team points with thirteen. They've getting goaltending too, which is something that's been in a bit of Achilles heel for them too. So it's really coming together. So I think clearly, I don't think anybody would argue that Carolina deserves to be in the top five. Uh, you know, teams that you could talk about. Who are you taking uh, out that I that I thought about. Um, that are they're probably going to make an appearance at some point. Certainly Washington is deserving of the conversation. The Rangers, considering all the road games they have, to be in sixth place uh, in the league, uh, for them to be in second place in the division when they've played 10 games and they've played um, seven of those 10 games on the road so early in the season and, and playing a little bit without Kako. Um, they, Strom missed a game. Um there and Panarin and Zabanajab with just two goals each, and yet the Rangers six two and two to start the season. They certainly deserve some consideration. This four game winning streak for the Leafs had me thinking about them, but I'm gonna stick to the top five and what we have. So let's close out the week with your tweets at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. And of course, people want to contribute their top five, including Richard, who has his top five. He says the Hurricanes at one, nine, oh, and oh, come on, who else? Panthers will be number one when the Canes lose. He's got the Oilers at three, the Blues at four, and the Flames at five. You know what? So we're we're on. We're we're we're, we're dead on there. Uh, I had the Blues at three and the Oilers at four, but you know who's going to quibble with that? And he's got his top five goaltenders at two: Freddie Anderson at one, Sergei Bobrovsky at two, Igor Shosturkin at three, Carter Hart at four, um, and Soupy Campbell at five. And Campbell's been really good too. So I like the the work that Richard put in. Uh, David says, "Granted, it's just the start." What would you say is your favorite tradition the Kraken are doing at home games? The fairy goal horn is a tribute to the Seattle Bay Ferries. The Nirvana song goal, or the three stars uh, signed um, plush salmon toss, referring to the Pike's Market. That's my favorite because you know, uh, the, you know whether it's the octopus in the playoffs for Detroit, it, that that to me is the one that's going to stick and. I, I I got to do a Kraken game um but I unfortunately I did it off the monitor, so I have not been into the building yet. I probably would have a little bit of a different say maybe if I had been in there to kind of get the feel for the goal horn, to get the feel for the Devonner song when they score, but um the, the uh the fish toss definitely uh gets me every time. Okay. So um Keegan says, All right, Don, as a long suffering Sabre fan, how should I feel about the Eichel trade? I'm glad for both parties it's over. And it beats the O'Reilly trade, but feels like Vegas will ultimately be the winner in this one. Game misconduct, um, you demand. All right, well, I appreciate that, Keegan. Well, listen, time is going to tell, but it's it's a tale of two teams. The Eichel thing was not going to happen, so you had to try to get something in return. And what you got is Tuck is a good player. Under a good contract, you've got picks, you've got a prospect. So ultimately, it's a long-term view for Buffalo. Vegas, you know, it's time for them to finally turn the corner, okay? They, they went to the Stanley Cup Final in their first year. They've been to the playoffs every single year. Third round last year. They're looking to make the turn, and they are missing centers. They've been a donut, right? They have no center. Now they've got one of the best centers in the league, but we're not going to see them until the playoffs. So in the immediate future, you know, you're going to be able to judge. What does Vegas do when Eichel comes? If they win for a Stanley Cup, guess what? They're the winner. But long term if if these players pop for Buffalo and they start making the playoffs, we may look at this five, ten years down the road and say, hey, that was a heck of a deal um, for the Buffalo Sabres if they're a perennial playoff team and Vegas is in cap hell. Right? So so I, I think that it's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. It's been a long, long time uh, for Buffalo, and I think that uh, it's going to take a long time before we're able to really honestly assess what we have here uh the ginger express says in your opinion what's the ceiling for kyle connor it's a great question because i'm a big fan of him there's times when i'm writing down scores and it seems like connor scores every single night can it get better (sighs) or he might be at his ceiling now i can't imagine it's going to get better but i'm a big fan i love him and i think he's a, a a tremendous tremendous player does Can Sock says, are McDavid and Drysaddle better than Kane and Taves? I need to see those two guys play live before they retire. Hopefully I can catch them in their prime. Well, how do you judge it, right? Because those two, Kane and Taves, three Stanley Cups. So it's hard to beat that. And the leadership ability of Taves. Taves is the closest thing in the last 10 to 15 years that I've seen From a leadership standpoint, uh, that's been close to Mark Messier. So it's hard to beat Kane and Taves from that standpoint. But McDavid and Drysidel are going to end up with more points. If they stay together, they're going to be better as far as point producers are concerned. Um, McDavid is better than both of them. All right. And, you know, if I were to rank the four, McDavid's one, and then probably Kane two. And then you then you go between Drysaddle and Taves. It's hard to say Taves not be three and Drysaddle four. That's the way you'd rank them, I would think. But things can change because Drysaddle's been so good. And you can't always just say, well, Drysaddle benefits from McDavid because they're not playing on the same line. Now they play together on the power play and do play together occasionally five on five. But it's not like Drysaddle is, you know, uh, completely one hundred percent benefiting from being on the ice with McDavid all the time. So. Um, you know, I I will say at this particular seg- uh, second, Kane and Taves are better. But I think we're very, very close within a year or two of completely changing our tune on that. All right. John says, with the stories of a possible split between Bettman and the league, why hasn't this been thought of years ago? And why is it such a difficult move to make? Gary has been brutal for over 20 years. Well, it's very difficult to talk about commissioners. Because they're not judged by the fans. all right. They're judged about how they line the pockets for the owners. The owners hire Gary Bettman. And I understand people's frustration with Gary Bettman. We've seen three lockouts in his tenure, a complete cancellation of the season. Uh, On his watch, one of the biggest scandals in the history of the NHL with the Chicago Blackhawks. And now there may be another scandal brewing with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, We have seen a lot of bad in the going-on 30 years of Gary Bettman's uh, tenure here as commissioner. He took over in the 92-93 season. The first Stanley Cup he handed to uh, a team in the league was the last time a Canadian team won in Montreal in 1993. But there's a lot of good that's happened. Uh, the league has expanded to 32 teams. All right? The league has had two very lucrative uh, television contracts under his watch with the NBC deal and now with the TNT and ESPN deals. Um, He has made a lot of money for this league, and and the league is in a much, much better place than whether it was Gil Stein or before him uh, when they were dealing with presidents instead of commissioners. Um, I don't think there's any question that he has done a much better job than any of his predecessors have done, Uh, going back to Campbell a long, long time ago, Clarence Campbell. So he's been the best leader that this sport has had, probably in its history. So there is some good, there's some bad, um, but if you want to tell me that it's time, that it's been a long time here, that this scandal might be a backbreaker, um, I can't argue with you. I can't. Um, because there's been some good, there's been some bad. But this thing with the Chicago Blackhawks, and, and, I, and I don't think it was handled particularly well. I, I think the $2 million fine was just a slap on the wrist. I think it could have been more. Allowing Joel Quinville to coach in that Panther game, I thought was a mistake. So if you are somebody that thinks it's time and you think the last straw was the handling of the Hawk scandal, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, but if you're going to paint the picture that he has been brutal for the last 20 years, I don't know if I 100% agree. Um, the work stoppages are embarrassing. They are. But the year cancellation, as much as it hurt me, it hurt me as a fan. It hurt my bottom line because I worked at the league at the time. Um, working NHL live, it got postponed and it never came back until a couple of years later. so that the loss of that oh four oh five season was devastating and embarrassing. but it turned out to be needed. A lot of changes came from that uh, taking a red the red line the the uh, the addition of the trapezoid. the game opened itself up from a financial standpoint. You saw teams were able to survive. the way the league was going, there wouldn't be teams you know in Edmonton they wouldn't be able to survive you know we would not have seen a team move back into Canada in Winnipeg if the sport was continuing the path that was going before the 2004-2005 cancellation so a, a tremendous amount of good came from that so uh, again Gary Bettman is a perfect example of you take the good you take the bad i know it sounds like i'm about to sing the facts of life theme song but that's kind of the way i look at Gary Bettman Uh, My dealings with him have always been cordial. Um, I like him as a person. I've always gotten along with him. But as a fan, as somebody who works for the sport, there's been, again, a lot of bad, a lot of good. Um, So I'm not going to completely throw away these three decades with him as commissioner. But if you want to have the opinion that it's time, I, I cannot argue with you. Let's close it out with Joe. ...who tweets, hey Don, the NHL is getting younger and younger. Not that it's necessarily a bad thing, but are we rushing these kids. I believe Kaka will be a star and Lafaniere a superstar, but they're only 20 or so. I believe they need top six minutes to grow, but it is asking too much right now. A friend and I have different opinions. I feel that as long as these players trend upward and the team continues to grow, keep going. The goal is to grow and to make the playoffs. We're not a cup contender yet... Let them grow. All right, there's two philosophies. You know, growing up a devil fan, you know, you, nobody, they would have draft picks and they would stay in the minor leagues until they were ready to come up. All right, so you didn't see 18, 19, 20-year-olds skating for the devils when they were winning their cups. But the game is different now. The game is predicated on speed. It's not as physical anymore. And these kids can fly. And, and, and I think that the league looks at it and says, uh, if these guys are going to play, I want them to play immediately. I only have them for a finite period of time before I have to give them a contract. I want all of their waking moments in the pros, if they can handle it, and if they're good enough to be up with this team. Now, some guys aren't ready. But some guys are. Now, what I'll say about Kako and lafonier maybe it sounds like an excuse, but... You know, Kako comes into the league, doesn't get to play a full season because of the pandemic. Then he comes back in his second season, no preseason, limited training camp, 56-game schedule. He goes into his third year, and immediately he gets hurt. All right? LaFanier, same thing, except one year less, right? His first year is in a 56-game schedule with no preseason and a limited training camp. You know, now he comes into his second year, and they're fiddling with him playing different positions. But all this is happening in real time, and they're growing and they're learning, and I think there's room on the ice for it to happen. There was a time where if a kid wasn't ready, he can get himself hurt playing with the big boys. But now, with so much open ice and so much speed, they're learning. And really, you're not worried about them getting hurt. You're more or less worried that maybe they're going to create bad habits or maybe get uh, inundated by the fans and the press if they're not producing. But learn from this, and, and, and I think it's a good idea. So, no, I don't think they're being rushed. Some kids you might see, that be the case, but I'm seeing these guys thrive. And I think that players like Connor McDavid uh, – Uh, players like uh, Jack Hughes, who did not have a great rookie season, but he had it and he experienced it. And now you're starting to see in his third year before he separated his shoulder, was really coming into his own. Uh, So I like getting these players' feet wet right away. So I do not see it being a major issue. All right, here is the situation for tonight's National Hockey League slate of games as we begin the weekend here on a Friday. And it's going to be my pleasure to call the Rangers and the Oilers tonight. I'll have both games in Alberta tonight against the Oilers, tomorrow against the Calgary Flames. That'll be a 9-30 start. You can hear it locally on 10-50 a.m. because the Knicks are playing. Devils are also out in the coast to take on the Los Angeles Kings. Other games, Jets home for the Blackhawks. Blackhawks finally win their first game, but did have that big blown lead against Carolina uh, the other night. Uh, The Canucks taking on the Nashville Predators and the Coyotes still looking for their first game 0-9-1. Still looking for their first win. will be Anaheim against the Ducks tonight might be the night I might make it my ice pick I just might so we'll see if you listen to the Michael K show you'll find out whether it's my ice pick or not and since you're listening here on game misconduct you know what I don't even know what the odds are I'm going to punch it up quickly on my bet MGM app you know what plus 153 coyotes get their first win tonight how about that maybe you'll make some cash and you know what if you don't pretend it didn't happen Back with you again on Monday. We'll have EJ. Haven't had him for a couple of weeks. Looking forward to talk to him. Want to get in touch with me at Don LaGreca. Make sure you put that hashtag GameMisconduct so I can find it with all my tweets where people ripping me for things I say on the Michael K. Show. Back with you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.